0: Chapter seven of the Absentee by Maria Edgeworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Our hero was quite convinced of the good sense of his friend's last remark, that it is safer to judge of people by their conduct to others than by their manners towards ourselves; but as yet he felt scarcely any interest on the subject of Lady Dashfort or Lady Isabel's characters however he inquired and listened to all the evidence he could obtain respecting this mother and daughter he heard terrible reports of the mischief they had done in families the extravagance into which they had led men the imprudence to say no worse into which they had betrayed women matches broken off reputations ruined husbands alienated from their wives and wives made jealous of their husbands but in some of these stories he discovered exaggeration so flagrant as to make him doubt the whole in others it could not be positively determined whether the mother or daughter had been the person most to blame lord colambre always followed the charitable rule of believing only half what the world says and here he thought it fair to believe which half he pleased he further observed that though all joined in abusing these ladies in their absence when present they seemed universally admired though everybody cried shame and shocking yet everybody visited them no parties so crowded as lady dashfort's no party deemed pleasant or fashionable where lady dashfort or lady isabel was not the bon mots of the mother were everywhere repeated The dress and air of the daughter everywhere imitated. Yet Lord Colambre could not help being surprised at their popularity in Dublin, because, independently of all moral objections, there were causes of a different sort, sufficient, he thought, to prevent Lady Dashford from being liked by the Irish, indeed by any society she in general affected to be ill-bred and inattentive to the feelings and opinions of others careless whom she offended by her wit or by her decided tone there are some persons in so high a region of fashion that they imagine themselves above the thunder of vulgar censure lady dashfort felt herself in this exalted situation and fancied she might hear the innocuous thunder roll below her rank was so high that none could dare to call her vulgar what would have been gross in any one of meaner note in her was freedom or originality or lady dashfort's way it was lady dashfort's pleasure and pride to show her power in perverting the public taste she often said to those english companions with whom she was intimate now see what follies i can lead these fools into hear the nonsense i can make them repeat as wit upon some occasion one of her friends ventured to fear that something she had said was too strong too strong was it well i like to be strong woe be to the weak on another occasion she was told that certain visitors had seen her ladyship yawning yawn did i glad of it the yawn sent them away or i should have snored rude was i they won't complain to say i was rude to them would be to say that i did not think it worth my while to be otherwise barbarians are not we the civilized english come to teach them manners and fashions whoever does not conform and swear allegiance to we shall keep out of the english pale lady dashfort forced her way and she set the fashion fashion which converts the ugliest dress into what is beautiful and charming governs the public mode in morals and in manners and thus when great talents and high rank combine they can debase or elevate the public taste With Lord Colambre, she played more artfully. She drew him out in defense of his beloved country, and gave him opportunities of appearing to advantage. This he could not help feeling, especially when the Lady Isabel was present. Lady Dashfort had dealt long enough with human nature to know that to make any man pleased with her, she should begin by making him pleased with himself insensibly the antipathy that lord colambre had originally felt to lady dashfort wore off her faults he began to think were assumed he pardoned her defiance of good breeding when he observed that she could when she chose it be most engagingly polite it was not that she did not know what was right but that she did not think it always for her interest to practice it The party opposed to lady dashfort affirmed that her wit depended merely on unexpectedness a characteristic which may be applied to any impropriety of speech manner or conduct in some of her ladyship's repartees however lord colambre now acknowledged there was more than unexpectedness there was real wit but it was of a sort utterly unfit for a woman and he was sorry that lady isabel should hear it in short exceptionable as it was altogether lady dashfort's conversation had become entertaining to him and though he could never esteem or feel in the least interested about her he began to allow that she could be agreeable ay i knew how it would be said she when some of her friends told her this he began by detesting me and did i not tell you that if i thought it worth my while to make him like me he must sooner or later i delight in seeing people begin with me as they do with olives making all manner of horrid faces and silly protestations that they will never touch an olive again as long as they live but after a little time these very folk grow so desperately fond of olives that there is no dessert without them isabel child you are in the sweet line but sweet's cloy you never heard of anybody living on marmalade did ye lady isabel answered by a sweet smile to do you justice you play lydia languish vastly well pursued the mother but lydia by herself would soon tire somebody must keep up the spirit and bustle and carry on the plot of the piece and i am that somebody as you shall see is not that our hero's voice which i hear on the stairs it was lord colambre his lordship had by this time become a constant visitor at lady dashfort's not that he had forgotten or that he meant to disregard his friend sir james brooke's parting words he promised himself faithfully that if anything should occur to give him reason to suspect designs such as those to which the warning pointed he would be on his guard and would prove his generalship by an able retreat but to imagine attacks where none were attempted to suspect ambuscades in the open country would be ridiculous and cowardly no thought our hero heaven forfend i should be such a coxcomb as to fancy every woman who speaks to me has designs upon my precious heart or on my more precious estate as he walked from his hotel to lady dashfort's house ingeniously wrong he came to this conclusion just as he ascended the stairs and just as her ladyship had settled her future plan of operations after talking over the nothings of the day and after having given two or three cuts at the society of dublin with two or three compliments to individuals who she knew were favourites with his lordship she suddenly turned to him my lord i think you told me or my own sagacity discovered that you want to see something of ireland and that you don't intend like most travellers to turn round see nothing and go home content Lord Colambre assured her ladyship that she had judged him rightly, for that nothing would content him but seeing all that was possible to be seen of his native country. It was for this special purpose he came to Ireland. Ah, well, very good purpose, can't be better. But now, how to accomplish it? You know the Portuguese proverb says, You go to hell for the good things you intend to do, and to heaven for those you do now let us see what you will do dublin i suppose you've seen enough of by this time through and through round and round this makes me first giddy and then sick let me show you the country not the face of it but the body of it the people not castle this or newtown that but their inhabitants i know them i have the key or the picklock to their minds an irishman is as different an animal on his guard and off his guard as a miss in school from a miss out of school a fine country for game i'll show you and if you are a good marksman you may have plenty of shots at folly as it flies lord colambre smiled as to isabel pursued her ladyship i shall put her in charge of heathcock who is going with us she won't thank me for that but you will nay no fibs man you know i know as who does not that has seen the world that though a pretty woman is a mighty pretty thing yet she is confoundedly in one's way when anything else is to be seen heard or understood every objection anticipated and removed and so far a prospect held out of attaining all the information he desired with more than all the amusement he could have expected lord colambre seemed much tempted to accept the invitation but he hesitated because as he said her ladyship might be going to pay visits where he was not acquainted Bless you! don't let that be a stumbling-block in the way of your tender conscience i am going to kilpatrick's town where you'll be as welcome as light you know them they know you at least you shall have a proper letter of invitation from my lord and my lady kilpatrick and all that and as to the rest you know a young man is always welcome everywhere a young nobleman kindly welcome i won't say such a young man and such a young nobleman for that might put you to your bows or your blushes but nobilitas by itself nobility is enough in all parties in all families where there are girls and of course balls as there are always at kilpatrickstown don't be alarmed you shall not be forced to dance or asked to marry i'll be your security you shall be at full liberty and it is a house where you can do just what you will indeed i go to no others these kilpatricks are the best creatures in the world they think nothing good or grand enough for me if i let them they would lay down cloth of gold over their bogs for me to walk upon good-hearted beings added lady dashfort marking a cloud gathering on lord colambre's countenance i laugh at them because i love them i could not love anything i might not laugh at your lordship excepted so you'll come that's settled and so it was settled our hero went to Kilpatrickstown. town everything here sumptuous and unfinished you see said lady dashfort to lord colambre the day after their arrival all begun as if the projectors thought they had the command of the mines of peru and ended as if the possessors had not sixpence des arrangements provisatoires temporary expedients in plain english makeshifts luxuries enough for an english prince of the blood comforts not enough for an englishwoman and you may be sure that great repairs and alterations have gone on to fit this house for our reception and for our english eyes poor people english visitors in this point of view are horribly expensive to the irish did you ever hear that in the last century or in the century before the last to put my story far enough back so that it shall not touch anybody living when a certain english nobleman lord blank a sent to let his irish friend lord blank b know that he and all his train were coming over to pay him a visit the irish nobleman blank B, knowing the deplorable condition of his castle sat down fairly to calculate whether it would cost him most to put the building in good and sufficient repair fit to receive these english visitors or to burn it to the ground he found the balance to be in favor of burning which was wisely accomplished next day perhaps kilpatrick would have done well to follow this example resolve me which is worst to be burnt out of house and home or to be eaten out of house and home in this house above and below stairs including first and second table housekeeper's room ladies' maids room butler's room and gentlemen's, one hundred and four people sit down to dinner every day as petito informs me beside kitchen boys and what they call char women, who never sit down but who do not eat or waste the less for that and retainers and friends friends to the fifth and sixth generation who must get their bit and their sup, for sure it's only biddy they say continued lady dashfort imitating their irish brogue and sure tis nothing at all out of all his honour my lord has how could he feel it long life to him he's not that way not a couple in all ireland and that saying a great dale looks less after their own nor is more off-handeder or open-hearteder or greater open housekeepers nor my lord and my lady Kilpatrick. now there's encouragement for a lord and a lady to ruin themselves lady Dashfort imitated the irish brogue in perfection boasted that she was mistress of fourteen different brogues and had brogues for all occasions by her mixture of mimicry sarcasm exaggeration and truth she succeeded continually in making lord colambre laugh at everything at which she wished to make him laugh at everything but not everybody whenever she became personal he became serious or at least endeavoured to become serious and if he could not instantly resume the command of his risible muscles he reproached himself it is shameful to laugh at these people indeed lady dashfort in their own house these hospitable people who are entertaining us entertaining us true and if we are entertained how can we help laughing all expostulation was thus turned off by a jest as it was her pride to make lord colambre laugh in spite of his better feelings and principles this he saw and this seemed to him to be her sole object but there he was mistaken off-handed as she pretended to be none dealt more in the impromptu fait de mentally short-sighted as she affected to be none had more longanimity for their own interest it was her settled purpose to make the irish and ireland ridiculous and contemptible to lord colambre to disgust him with his native country to make him abandon the wish of residing on his own estate to confirm him an absentee was her object previously to her ultimate plan of marrying him to her daughter her daughter was poor she would therefore be glad to get an irish peer for her but would be very sorry she said to see isabel banished to ireland and the young widow declared she could never bring herself to be buried alive in clonbrony castle in addition to these considerations lady dashfort received certain hints from mrs petito which worked all to the same point why yes my lady i heard a great deal about all that when i was at lady clonbrony's said petito one day as she was attending at her lady's toilette and encouraged to begin chattering and i own i was originally under the universal error that my lord colambre was to be married to the great heiress miss broadhurst but i have been converted and reformed on that score and am at present quite in another way and style of thinking petito paused in hopes that her lady would ask what was her present way of thinking but lady dashfort certain that she would tell her without being asked did not take the trouble to speak particularly as she did not choose to appear violently interested on the subject my present way of thinking resumed Petito, is in consequence of my having with my own eyes and ears witnessed and overheard his lordship's behavior and words the morning he was coming away from london for ireland when he was morally certain nobody was up, nor overhearing, nor overseeing him, there did I notice him, my lady, stopping in the antechamber, ejaculating over one of Miss Nugent's gloves which he had picked up. Limerick said he, quite loud to himself, for it was a Limerick glove, my lady, Limerick dear Ireland she loves you as well as i do or words to that effect and then a sigh and downstairs, and off so thinks i now the cat's out of the bag and i wouldn't give much myself for miss broadhurst's chance of that young lord with all her bank stock scrip and omnum. now i see how the land lies and i'm sorry for it for she's no fortune and she's so proud she never said a hint to me of the matter but my lord colambre is a sweet gentleman and petito don't run on so you must not meddle with what you don't understand the miss kilpatricks to be sure are sweet girls particularly the youngest her ladyship's toilette was finished and she left petito to go down to my lady kilpatrick's woman to tell as a very great secret the schemes that were in contemplation among the higher powers in favor of the youngest of the miss kilpatricks so ireland is at the bottom of his heart is it repeated lady dashfort to herself it shall not be long so From this time forward not a day scarcely an hour passed but her ladyship did or said something to depreciate the country or its inhabitants in our hero's estimation with treacherous ability she knew and followed all the arts of misrepresentation all those injurious arts which his friend sir james brooke had with such honest indignation reprobated she knew how not only to seize the ridiculous points to make the most respectable people ridiculous but she knew how to select the worst instances the worst exceptions and to produce them as examples as precedents from which to condemn whole classes and establish general false conclusions respecting a nation in the neighborhood of kilpatrick's town lady dashfort said there were several squireens or little squires a race of men who have succeeded to the buckeens described by young and crump squireens are persons who with good long leases or valuable farms possess incomes from three to eight hundred a year who keep a pack of hounds take out a commission of the peace sometimes before they can spell as her ladyship said and almost always before they know anything of law or justice busy and loud about small matters jobbers at assizes combining with one another and trying upon every occasion public or private to push themselves forward to the annoyance of their superiors and the terror of those below them in the usual course of things these men are not often to be found in the society of gentry except perhaps among those gentlemen or noblemen who like to see hangers-on at their tables or who find it for their convenience to have underling magistrates to protect their favorites or to propose and carry jobs for them on grand juries at election times however these persons rise into sudden importance with all who have views upon the county lady dashfort hinted to lord kilpatrick that her private letters from england spoke of an approaching dissolution of parliament she knew that upon this hint a round of invitations would be sent to the squireens and she was morally certain that they would be more disagreeable to lord colambre and give him a worse idea of the country than any other people who could be produced day after day some of these personages made their appearance and lady dashfort took care to draw them out upon the subjects on which she knew that they would show the most self-sufficient ignorance and the most illiberal spirit this succeeded beyond her most sanguine expectations lord colambre how i pity you for being compelled to these permanent sittings after dinner said lady isabel to him one night when he came late to the ladies from the dining-room lord kilpatrick insisted upon my staying to help him to push about that never-ending still beginning electioneering bottle said lord Colambre. oh if that were all if these gentlemen would only drink but their conversation i don't wonder my mother dreads returning to clonbrony castle if my father must have such company as this but surely it cannot be necessary oh indispensable positively indispensable cried lady dashfort no living in ireland without it you know in every country in the world you must live with the people of the country or be torn to pieces for my part i should prefer being torn to pieces lady dashfort and lady isabel knew how to take advantage of the contrast between their own conversation and that of the persons by whom lord colambre was so justly disgusted they happily relieved his fatigue with wit satire poetry and sentiment so that he every day became more exclusively fond of their company for lady kilpatrick and the miss kilpatricks were mere commonplace people In the mornings he rode or walked with Lady Dashfort and Lady Isabel. Lady Dashfort, by way of fulfilling her promise of showing him the people, used frequently to take him into the cabins and talk to their inhabitants. Lord and Lady Kilpatrick, who had lived always for the fashionable world, had taken little pains to improve the condition of their tenants. The few attempts they had made were injudicious. They had built ornamented picturesque cottages within view of their domain and favourite followers of the family people with half a century's habit of indolence and dirt were promoted to these fine dwellings the consequences were such as lady dashfort delighted to point out everything let to go to ruin for the want of a moment's care or pulled to pieces for the sake of the most trifling surreptitious profit the people most assisted always appearing proportionally wretched and discontented no one could with more ease and more knowledge of her ground than lady dashfort do the dishonour of a country in every cabin that she entered by the first glance of her eye at the head kerchiefed in no comely guise or by the drawn-down corners of the mouth or by the bit of a broken pipe which in ireland never characterises stout labour or by the first sound of the voice the drawling accent on your honor or my lady she could distinguish the proper objects of her charitable designs that is to say those of the old uneducated race whom no one can help because they will never help themselves to these she constantly addressed herself making them give in all their despairing tones a history of their complaints and grievances then asking them questions aptly contrived to expose their habits of self-contradiction their servility and flattery one moment and their litigious and encroaching spirit the next thus giving lord the most unfavourable idea of the disposition and character of the lower class of the irish people lady isabel the while standing by with the most amiable air of pity with expressions of the finest moral sensibility softening all her mother said finding ever some excuse for the poor creatures and following with angelic sweetness to heal the wounds her mother inflicted when lady dashfort thought she had sufficiently worked upon lord colambre's mind to weaken his enthusiasm for his native country and when lady isabel had by the appearance of every virtue added to a delicate preference if not partiality for our hero ingratiated herself into his good opinion and obtained an interest in his mind the wily mother ventured an attack of a more decisive nature and so contrived it was that if it failed it should appear to have been made without design to injure and in total ignorance one day lady dashfort who in fact was not proud of her family though she pretended to be so had herself prevailed on though with much difficulty by lady kilpatrick to do the very thing she wanted to do to show her genealogy which had been beautifully blazoned and which was to be produced as evidence in the lawsuit that brought her to ireland lord colambre stood politely looking on and listening while her ladyship explained the splendid intermarriages of her family pointing to each medallion that was filled gloriously with noble and even with royal names till at last she stopped short and covering one medallion with her finger she said pass over that dear lady kilpatrick you are not to see that lord colambre that's a little blot in our scutcheon you know isabel we never talk of that prudent match of great uncle john's what could he expect by marrying into that family where you know all the men were not sans pair and none of the women sans reproche oh mamma cried lady isabel not one exception not one isabel persisted lady dashfort there was lady and the other sister that married the man with the long nose and the daughter again of whom they contrived to make an honest woman by getting her married in time to a blue riband and who contrived to get herself into doctor's commons the very next year well dear mamma that is enough and too much oh pray don't go on cried lady isabel who had appeared very much distressed during her mother's speech You don't know what you are saying indeed ma'am you don't very likely child but that compliment i can return to you on the spot and with interest for you seem to me at this instant not to know either what you are saying or what you are doing come come explain oh no ma'am pray say so no more i will explain myself another time nay there you are wrong isabel in point of good breeding, anything is better than hints and mystery since i have been so unlucky as to touch upon the subject better go through with it and with all the boldness of innocence ask the question are you my lord colambre or are you not related or connected with any of the saint omars not that i know of said lord colambre but i really am so bad a genealogist that i cannot answer positively then i must put the substance of my question into a new form have you or have you not a cousin of the name of nugent miss nugent grace nugent yes said lord colambre with as much firmness of voice as he could command and with as little change of countenance as possible but as the question came upon him so unexpectedly it was not in his power to answer with an air of absolute indifference and composure and her mother was said lady dashfort my aunt by marriage her maiden name was reynolds i think but she died when i was quite a child i know very little about her i never saw her in my life but i am certain she was a reynolds oh my dear lord continued lady dashfort i am perfectly aware that she did take and bear the name of reynolds but that was not her maiden name her maiden name was but perhaps it is a family secret that has been kept for some good reason from you and from the poor girl herself the maiden name was saint omar depend upon it nay i would not have told this to you my lord if i could have conceived that it would affect you so violently pursued lady dashfort in a tone of raillery you see you are no worse off than we are we have an intermarriage with the saint omars i did not think you would be so much shocked at a discovery which proves that our family and yours have some little connection lord colambre endeavoured to answer and mechanically said something about happy to have the honour lady dashfort truly happy to see that her blow had hit the mark so well turned from his lordship without seeming to observe how seriously he was affected and lady isabel sighed and looked with compassion on lord colambre and then reproachfully at her mother but lord colambre heeded not her looks and heard not of her sighs he heard nothing saw nothing though his eyes were intently fixed on the genealogy on which lady dashfort was still descanting to lady kilpatrick he took the first opportunity he could of quitting the room and went out to take a solitary walk there he is departed but not in peace to reflect upon what has been said whispered lady dashfort to her daughter i hope it will do him a vast deal of good none of the women sans reproche none without one exception said lord colambre to himself and grace nugent's mother a saint omar is it possible lady dashfort seems certain she could not assert a positive falsehood no motive she does not know that miss nugent is the person to whom i am attached she spoke at random and i have heard it first from a stranger not from my mother why was it kept secret from me now i understand the reason why my mother evidently never wished that i should think of miss nugent why she always spoke so vehemently against the marriages of relations of cousins why not tell me the truth it would have had the strongest effect had she known my mind lord colambre had the greatest dread of marrying any woman whose mother had conducted herself ill his reason his prejudices his pride his delicacy and even his limited experience were all against it all his hopes his plans of future happiness were shaken to their very foundation he felt as if he had received a blow that stunned his mind and from which he could not recover his faculties the whole of that day he was like one in a dream at night the painful idea continually recurred to him and whenever he was falling asleep the sound of lady dashfort's voice returned upon his ear saying the words what could he expect when he married one of the saint omars none of the women sans reproche." in the morning he rose early and the first thing he did was to write a letter to his mother requesting unless there was some important reason for her declining to answer the question that she would immediately relieve his mind from a great uneasiness he altered the word four times but at last left it uneasiness he stated what he had heard and besought his mother to tell him the whole truth without reserve chapter seven